It's the show the establishment warned you about. Welcome back to Dr. Thomas Show. Glad you're here. It's Friday. It's not Friday. It's Wednesday. And we're broadcasting from the free state of Florida and the heart of Florida and Tampa, Florida from Echelon Health Studios. And if you are listening for the first time, welcome and thank you uh, for tuning in. And if you are a repeat listener, thank you again because we're growing and appreciate your watching us. Uh, so much as occurred in the last week since we were here last and most of it has to do with this horrific murderous uh person who uh felt the need to uh, kill children so we're going to cover some of that and talk about uh some of the responses that's been across the board and then also uh talk about our ice cream president and his uh wonderful ability to just bring the nation together and really point the way forward for uh a brighter future. Also, when I was just looking up, I was trying to find Mad Maxine Waters clip to play some of the uh, uh, some of the things that probably is contributing to uh, people like this murderer who killed these children. Probably some of the rhetoric that's contributing to setting people off like that is uh, this Mad Maxine Waters clip from when sh- Trump was uh, in the White House still. But I came across something else that was interesting. It says that if you're out there waiting for Chris Christie to decide whether or not he's going to run for president, uh, wait, you're going to have to you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. It's 45 to 60 days, apparently, until he is going to let us know if if he's going to make it. Uh, So we'll just have to wait around and see. You know, Chris Christie is probably probably one of the two or three most likely to get one percent. And so it's really important that we wait around for Chris Christie to tell us if he's going to run for president. He would probably garner just slightly less support than Nikki Haley. And uh, I don't think he can catch Mike Pence. Mike Pence will probably get about two and a half percent. But Chris Christie is a good chance he'll break one percent. It's possible. So anyway, we'll be waiting around for Chris Christie. This uh, fortunate news that we have to talk about is this killer who was uh what's the word for it uh, inspired somehow or another because of her uh appears to be at least we haven't had the official word yet and who knows if we ever will to attack this religious school because she had uh some grievance that she wanted to settle and um we know that because uh there's uh, not been the uh, manifesto made yet. The manifesto has not made its way out yet. They have the manifesto. They know what the manifesto says. And then on the day of the shooting, this person also alluded, or the, the police chief alluded to the fact that the manifesto indicated that there's some resentment that this transgender killer was made to go to a religious school at some point in her life. And um, so there's that. But we... You know, we haven't heard the uh, we haven't heard the official word yet from her manifesto, and it's, it's it's a good chance we never will. If Hoover's Hoover's boys are involved, there's a good chance that we're not going to ever hear that because it's not good for the narrative. Uh, the narrative is that you know people like her are just you're just trying to live their lives, and it's because of people who are not in favor of transgender surgery for children, and. Uh, and and just full full throated wholehearted endorsement of their agenda, uh, especially for children. Then we are we are to blame. 
And uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm leaning towards is what her reasoning was for killing these children and these adults at this religious school. Um, but it said here, this is uh, from Daily Mail, UK Daily Mail, and this is the police chief, John Drake. It says, uh, police chief John Drake said that, quote, resentment towards having been made to go to school to the school may have played a role in the shooting, but also that Hale, quote, targeted random students in the school. Whoever she came in contact with, she fired rounds. Uh, and I have to I have to apologize if, if we're dead naming this this uh, transgender killer. Uh, I'm just reading the quotes here. Uh, Drake also added that officials believe that quote Hale identifies as trans, but we're still in an initial initial investigation into all of that, and if it actually played a role into that incident. Uh, so that's that. But unfortunately, or or fortunately, I guess depending on your point of view, there's still going to be a Trans Day of Vengeance protest to go ahead on Saturday. So before this uh, shooting occurred, before this murderer uh, killed these children there was a group that was going to do something called a trans day of vengeance. It's called the trans radical activist group and a trans radical activist network, tran T R a N trans radical activist network. It was going to hold a trans day of vengeance outside the Supreme court on Saturday. This was an event that was planned obviously before the shooting, which happened on Monday. Uh, but they're still going to go on with that. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, this is just another one of those wholesome groups that just want to get along with everybody. And uh, they don't really have anything uh, malevolent to do or to uh, there's no malevolence with this group at all. They're just uh, they're just out there. They're trying to get along with everybody. They want to fit in. This is from their website, the trans radical activist network dot org. And it says, time is now the trans non-binary gender non-conforming intersex communities are facing astronomical amounts of hate from the world at least a hundred gender affirming care care bans have been proposed utah uh, sb 16 has been passed and west virginia's hb 2007 is headed to the senate our community is frightened some have been experiencing mental health crises due to the political climate in our country on 131 2023 donald trump announced he will punish health care providers and promised that quote this madness will end so the madness is uh, not allowing children to have surgery and or medical treatments that aren't FDA approved to uh, alter their bodies. And children, by the way, uh, if you remember, uh, don't have the capacity to understand this uh, kind of a weighty subject of, you know, are you uh, transgender or not? Are you really a uh, male or female and chromosomes and all that? But this this group here feels like uh, that is an attack on them and their community is frightened. So they're going to plan this day of vengeance. Uh, so they're, they're still going ahead with all this. And uh, at the very bottom of their event, though, they say that um, they want this to be safe. And it says there's Tran will be hosting an event in D.C. time and location on April 1st at 11 a.m. in front of the Supreme Court. The online event will be hosted at four one on time to be announced. The protest is about unity, not inciting violence. Tran does not encourage violence and is not welcome at this event. So uh, we'll see. 
uh, it doesn't seem like they're really into nonviolence. So, um, this is from their this is from their release too. It says, like the Stonewall riots, the gays and lesbians were experiencing, the trans trans community is experiencing now. The cycle of hate needs to end, and in fact, it must. Allies, siblings, we need now more than ever. And then it has a quote here from somebody named Sylvia Rivera. I was a radical revolutionist. I am still a revolutionist. I'm glad I was at the Stonewall riot. I remember when someone threw a Molotov cocktail, I thought, my God, the revolution is here. The revolution is finally here. So there you go. That's, you know, that's from Tran. So we'll have that to look forward to now. Uh, like I said, we're not going to hear from the, uh, I, I doubt we're going to have a uh, unredacted manifesto from this, uh, this uh, murderous uh, person. Because I don't think it's going to fit the narrative. And like I said, the narrative is that transgenderism is just just a wholesome thing. And it, everybody should get involved. Children should get involved, especially. And But it is known that if you do not uh, support it wholeheartedly and full-throatedly, you are a, basically a terrorist. And I think this woman that shot these children and these adults, I think that's what, that's what she was probably feeling like. She was reading this trans-radical activist network release and thinking... You know, now's the time. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the times that you you hear about uh, people who are radicalized, they're having you know emotional problems. That they're kind of at a low point in their life, and that's an it's a great time to come in and swoop in and radicalize somebody. Um, Post Millennial has this uh, report here. It says Nashville trans shooter sent DMs to a friend announcing plans for quote something bad suicide. But the police did not respond to the friend's call from help. And it just says here that, uh, you know, this person was texting with their friend and sending messages saying that basically this was the end of it and she was going to kill herself. And that also something bad was going to happen. And this person who she was texting, uh, thankfully, thought to herself, well, maybe I should call somebody and, and try to figure out what's going on. So she she did call the police department in Nashville. I'm sorry, the, the Sheriff's Department, Nashville Davidson County Sheriff's Office at 1013 and made them aware of the situation. Uh, but they were told she was told to call the non-emergency number. So that didn't really go anywhere. So she called Nashville's non-emergency line at 1014 a.m. and was on hold for nearly seven minutes before speaking with someone who said they would send an officer. And the officer did not come to her home until 329. So. Unfortunately, they missed an opportunity there to uh, to to stop this uh, psychopath from killing people. But that's what I was saying, though, that these people who are this person here was having a mental crisis, apparently was under mental health uh, um, treatment by a counselor. But that's the time when it's perfect to uh, to kind of swoop in as a as a. Uh, as a kind of a, a a warm a warm place to go to where you're you're accepted and this is what the trans activist network or groups like them probably provided to this person and then also gave them a little bit of a push to uh, do something a little bit more maybe a little bit more creative than just uh, joining the group. It said here that um, you know this person who called the police department said that. Uh, 
you know, she reaches out to the family and all this that of the person that was shot. That's all well and good. Uh, unfortunately, it's a little bit too late. But, you know, when do you stop something like this? You know, there's all this talk about mental health and guns and everything else like that. And they said, well, you know, it's the gun culture that is causing this. Gun culture, if we just got rid of the guns, as our ice cream president likes to say, then everything would be fine. And gun culture is thought to be the cause of all of those types of shootings. It's not this uh, individual here who's mentally disturbed and who's, um, you know, has mental illness and has a family that maybe doesn't realize she's mentally ill and uh, allowed her to, you know, acquire all these weapons and then go out and shoot everybody up. Uh, but it's the gun culture you see that we're, we're told is the problem. The gun culture, when I think of gun culture, I think of, oh, uh, someone who owns a gun who likes to go shooting, maybe someone who's familiar with different types of guns, maybe someone who has a gun collection, and uh, maybe someone who even has a uh, semi-automatic rifle like the the the, the Armalite Armala, Armala uh, rifle 15, which is called the AR-15, which the uh, uneducated call it an assault rifle 15. That's what it stands for. It's Armalite rifle is uh, what AR-15 stands for. Armalite was the name of the company that made a rifle that was like this. Now it's called an AR-15 uh, across the board, whether or not Armalite makes it or not. But anyway, it's it's a rifle. It's a semi-automatic rifle. It's a tactical rifle. It looks, you know, scary. And it looks more scary if you paint it black. I was just talking with a patient earlier today about this whole idea of a assault rifle and how assault rifles are bad uh, based on the way they look mostly. And that's kind of when they did the assault rifle ban before. They did ban weapons mostly on looks. So gun stocks that were, uh, you know, extended down and guns that were painted black were deemed to be more assaultish looking assault rifle looking. So when they had this previous assault rifle ban that has expired now, and which Joe Biden says is the reason for all this badness that's happened. Um, that was, uh, that's how they, that's how they banned them. They banned them basically on looks. So an AR 15 looks bad, but anyway, people who have a gun culture may own an AR 15. They may actually know how to shoot it. People who are into gun culture may um, may talk about guns. They may actually enjoy shooting guns, and they don't necessarily hunt. Uh, hunting is part of uh, part of people's gun culture, I assume. But not everyone who owns a gun hunts. I own I own guns. I don't hunt, and uh, but that's the gun culture, and that's what we're told is uh, the reason for all this death and mayhem. And most of the people who are into gun culture are into. Uh, Safety, most of all. Uh, people who own guns or in the gun culture know a lot about how to not get shot. And that's done for several reasons. One is self-preservation. But the other reason is because that's part of gun culture is gun safety. Gun safety is probably the cornerstone of gun culture. Before you learn anything, you learn how to be safe with a gun. And another thing that's not part of gun culture, well, is not is part of gun safety and which is not part of gun culture is pointing loaded weapons at someone unless you intend to shoot them. And in gun culture, people are uh, taught or people who are take part in gun culture know that you're supposed to shoot, only put your finger on the uh, a trigger of someone uh, of a weapon if you plan to use it and, and you intend to shoot somebody. That's the only time you should ever put a trigger on the gun and point it at someone. And it's used in self-defense. Um, uh, 
the uh, shootings that have happened have not been from people who are part of the quote unquote gun culture, uh, as I understand it. So actually uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times people who are shot, uh, who people are stopped are shot by people who are part of the gun culture. So these killers, there was a killer in a, a church. I can't remember exactly the details, but there was a killer in a church a few, few years ago and that killer got away and was tracked down and actually executed uh, by someone uh, who had a, uh, a gun, and that was, person was a member of the NRA and was actually an NRA instructor. So this murderer was taken out by someone who was an NRA instructor. There was another, uh, there was another thing in a church. This was another church that happened. There was a video of this. There was a guy who was standing near the back of a church, and in this church they had people who were volunteer security. And they didn't wear security guard shirts, but they were there for security and they were members of the church. And they were people who were trained to use guns. And this guy was standing near the back of a of the church. And for some reason, he knew that this person who came in had meant, meant bad things, had bad intentions. And there's a video of it. And the person uh, draws the gun and they attempt to use it. But before they could, this perpetrator, this this bad person, the security guard shoots him from across the church, injuring no one else, killing this person on target. I mean, it was an amazing shot. There's been multiple of these. You can find them on YouTube. Well, you may not be able to find them on YouTube. That's the that's a different story. But anyway, they're out there. There's these shots. And all the people who are stopping these, you know, this good guy with a gun who's stopping a bad guy with a gun that the left pretends that doesn't exist is an oxymoron to them that no one... No person with a gun is a good person with a gun. Anyway, these people exist out there, and they're actually stopping criminals a lot of times. And that's just that's just the things that we know of uh, because we've seen them on the Internet or wherever. Uh, the gun culture in and of itself is a very healthy thing for self-preservation, for keeping people safe. What's not healthy is hate culture. And hate culture is what leads to this types of shootings that we just saw here, where this a uh, transgender person who was having uh, mental issues gets radicalized potentially, or maybe she thought of it herself or himself. Don't want to dead name that person, which is another thing that we want to talk about where we place our priorities. Uh, the media did a really good job of policing themselves when this first came out and making sure they did not quote unquote dead name the person. That's when you, when you talk about someone who's uh who's got a different name now since they've changed genders or, or identified differently than they were born. But anyway, so this person who was, uh, who was shot and radicalized, um, she's part of the hate culture, the hate culture. And the hate culture is a culture that hates people based upon the way that they feel. And they hate people because they don't, they don't basically celebrate what they feel themselves. So for instance, if you are this person who, who shot up this school and shot up all these children and she did it because she had, uh, she was resentful that she would ever had to go to that school. Then that is a hate. That is a hate crime actually. And that's one of the things that we're supposed to be all very worried about is hate crimes. Uh, Hate crimes, though, as we know now, are applied differently to different things. And hate crimes are more likely to be applied towards 
things that fit hate towards a specific group that's of the left, for instance, or perceived to be of the left. So this person who shot up the school did so because she apparently had some resentment that she was forced to go to the school before because now uh, there's, as a trans person, she was feeling like she was not supported by the religious community and potentially uh, maybe the religious community was, you know, like, like this uh, trans activist network says here, you know, they've been experiencing mental health crises due to political climate. Well, the religious community is part of that. And, you know, and there's some, there's some people out there who think maybe that, you know, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that a child who as a, a young person who, who, who is uh, identified by the parent as being, you know, not, not the gender that they were born. Maybe, maybe that's not uh, entirely true that, that, that happens. Maybe there is no such thing as a six year old who can decide for themselves whether or not they're a separate gender, but that see that falls under the realm of religious belief. And we're not supposed to ever talk about religious belief to some people. Some people, believe that what your religious beliefs are can never, ever, ever uh, come into their domain of their lives. So that if you have a religious belief against, let's say, murder, and you say, well, I think that it's, I think it's murder to have a, an abortion, particularly abortion that's a late-term abortion, well, that's your religious belief, and your religious belief can't, uh, can't, can't infringe upon me because that's, that's religion. And so, uh, you know, we can do all kinds of things. We can we can we can, uh, we can protest like they did at the Supreme Court when they had a problem with that uh, ruling, the Roe versus Wade ruling. They did the uh, protest at the Supreme Court. Anyway, the hate community or the hate culture says that it's okay for me to hate so long as I'm hating for the right reasons. And if the reason is is that I believe your religious belief infringes upon me personally, I can hate you. And it's okay for me to hate you. And then potentially it's okay for me then I'm justified in taking violent action against you as this trans radical activist network Day of Vengeance is, uh, is, it looks like they're promoting, although they say at the bottom that they don't promote it, does not encourage violence. But it just seems violent to me, the whole idea of it's a day of vengeance. You know, that doesn't sound nonviolent to me. But, um, you know, I don't want to put words in their mouth. But anyway, the, this, this, Culture of hate is the one that drives people to shoot up uh, schools. It's not the gun culture. And so anytime you have these politicians that go on and they talk about the guns, first of all, and the gun culture, they get misconstrued about what gun culture is. Another thing gun culture is is gang violence. That is not gun culture. They say, well, that's gun culture. You know, that's the reason the gangs are shooting each other up. That's gun culture. No, that's gang culture. That's cultures of... uh, a lot of different societal reasons, but that's not gun culture. That's gang culture and gangs are gangs. Guns are guns that gangs use guns, but that's not gun culture. So, you know, when you hear people like, Oh, uh, Michael Moore says that we shouldn't have guns in this country and that gun culture is to blame for shootings. Uh, and then he says, well, you know, it's okay to have guns uh, in some countries. And the way they do it is they have them locked up somewhere at a shooting club, for instance, or they have them locked up and, and they could use them only for hunting. And they, they once they're done hunting, they go take them back and that's OK. And then, you know, Joe Biden's famous for saying that, you know, deer don't wear Kevlar shirts, uh, vests. And that's the reason we don't have to have certain types of uh, weapons. And he gets a big 
big laugh out of that. For some reason, that's hilarious to people when he says that. But anyway, the guns guns are not made for only hunting. And guns are not only made for sport. Guns are made most of the time. Most people own guns are for self-defense. And that miss, misses the mark when you say, oh, a gun culture is only uh, acceptable if it's to do the things that I believe as a non-gun owner or someone who's not familiar with guns that I think is okay. So shooting sports are okay with me potentially. And then uh, hunting is okay with me potentially, but you can't own a gun for self-defense. Those people um, are projecting their own securities about guns onto the other people. And that's okay for them to be insecure about guns. I don't want anyone to ever own a gun who's insecure about how to use it. That's the worst thing. And that's another thing about gun culture that you learn is gun culture teaches first safety and familiarity before you start trying to use it for self-defense. So no one in, who is in gun culture advocates for someone to go buy a weapon and just start carrying it around for self-defense, having had no training at all or no familiarity with it. But then what you get is this reflexive action by these, by these um, uh, politicians, Democrat and Republican. It's usually from the Republicans who want to seem like they're reasonable. People like Mitt Romney, uh, people like, you know, Pickett, you know, whatever your Chris Christie is another one. All these people who just want to seem like, well, I don't want to see them as a gun nut. I don't want people thinking I'm a, I'm part of the gun culture. So I'm just going to say the same things that Democrats say is we need common sense gun reform as if that was going to stop this lunatic asshole from shooting up children. Back to the hate culture thing. This is a person who has hate in their in their in their being for whatever reason, whether it's because they're transgender now. It can be any reason. But the thing about the left is the left is good at picking out people who are isolated for whatever reason. And then using that isolation and that sense of abandonment and maybe a sense of um, of that they've been done wrong. And just using that to their advantage by twisting them and making them more and more um, just insecure about themselves, but also pointing out that the reason that their problem, that they're having a problem is because of something else. And they direct that anger, this resentment that these people have uh, to other things that are politically advantageous for the left. So the left is really good about that. If you'll notice the thing that left always does is that always will, no matter who their constituents are, they have to find a grievance for that constituency. There is no constituency among the left that is not there. Uh, they are not offered a grievance. They are not given some type of uh, something that to have a chip on your shoulder about. So, for instance, the left and the transgender community. Uh, okay, so we can just go from their their words right here. Denial of gender affirming care, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. That means chopping off the breast of children, I guess. I don't know at what point you can chop the penis off a child. We'd have to ask the experts at the Trans Radical Activist Network. But anyway, or add a, add a penis onto a child. I don't know when you can start doing that yet. But let's just start with the basics. Let's just start with transitioning the child by giving them hormones. And, uh, and by definition, a child can't have uh, informed consent. So then you have to rely on the parents who are probably themselves uh, you know, radicalized. So 
that's where you that's that's one one group that you you take and you you write and you say, look, here's this grievance you have. You're a member of this community, and now now the state won't allow you to transition your child the way you see fit. That's your grievance. You know, it could be anything else. You know, it could be you know, the big one is with uh, BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous people of color. Their blanket grievance is discrimination on their skin color, and so you give that to them and say, look. Because of your skin color, you are not going to be able to make it in this world unless you uh, unless you you come with us and you let us kind of represent you and you join our club and <clears throat> march along with us. And that's their grievance. So you always pick a grievance. School teachers, you're not paid enough. And uh, if you join our unions and you vote for us, then we're going to make sure you get adequate pay. That's your grievance. Uh, what other ones? Environmentalists. Uh, join our group because the uh, people who are against you want to poison the earth and kill your family and also uh, make it to where this uh, earth is going to be a, basically boiling in 20 years if we don't enact extraordinarily high taxes and force everyone to live according to the way we believe. That's your grievance. It's always something. It's always a grievance. And that's what the hate culture does is the hate culture feeds off of grievances. And that is not what causes schools to be shot up. The only thing that causes schools to be shot up is someone who's violently uh, evil. A gun is a tool that they use. And if you say, well, we'll just get rid of all the guns and then there'll never be any school shootings. Well, if you've looked into any of the news lately in Canada, they've had a recent, and London also, they've had a recent uh, string of knifings. And this has been going on for, there's always been knifings, but I've seen it in the news recently, knife attacks. So people who are evil are going to find a way. You could always blow up a school too. That's been done. Um, so you know, there's a there's a guy uh, who went to the electric chair for blowing up a school. You know, Timothy McVeigh. And so that's a, a building that had a school in it. Another thing with children in it. So you look at these people who are evil. What are you going to do? These people are evil. The best thing you can do though is you got to protect yourself against these people. And that's what we've always said about the school shootings thing. This psychopath. Uh, shot through a glass window and went into the school. The reason that she picked it was because, and apparently in her manifesto, she had a plan to go to another school, but that school was a little bit more fortified, a little bit more armed, too much security, too much of a risk that she wouldn't be able to accomplish her task, her task of killing children and adults. So she didn't go to that school, but she went to this other school because she determined it, that didn't have as much security and they didn't have any security at all. So that's the first thing you have to do is you have to harden these schools. It is not enough to do what this school did and have a single entrance, a single locked entrance. Cause as you can see, that can be, that can be, uh, overcome if you are determined enough. So you have to harden these schools and you have to harden these schools and you have to make it known. And I was listening to Clay and Buck yesterday or a couple days ago. And Clay Travis had a good point is you should arm these schools and you should make it known that if you step foot on the school campus, it is a almost guarantee that you are not only not going to kill anybody, but you are going to be killed yourself rather quickly. And that is what we need to do. We need to make it to where these schools, instead of being a magnet for school shooters is, is as, as unlikely to be attacked as an NRA convention, which is unlikely to be attacked or a gun show.
There's different ways to do that. But first of all, you have to decide that these gun-free zones are target-rich environments for psychopaths. And unless you're going to eliminate hate culture in the world, which is not going to happen, then you have to protect yourself against these people. And the first thing you can do to protect yourself against these people is to arm somebody on that campus. Someone has to be armed there. And, you know, we, we talk about all this money that we sent to Ukraine. And now Zelensky's on record as saying if, <clears throat> if we don't step it up. You know, I don't know about you people out there, but I think we've sent a hell of a lot of money to Ukraine and a lot of just arms to Ukraine. But already this guy's crying about if we don't send more money and arms that, you know, they're not going to be able to make it. This is the biggest scam in history, this Ukraine war. I'm not saying that Russia is uh, justified in going in there. I'm not saying that Putin's a good guy, but I am saying that Zelensky is running a scam. The people who are getting a lot of this money have nothing to do with the war, and they're getting a lot of the money on the basis of goodwill of Americans who don't want to see World War III. And that's exactly what they're going to end up seeing if this continues along the same path, because all we're doing is fighting a proxy war with Russia, which will soon become a hot war. Anyway, back to my point is we send all that money to Zelensky, which is not enough apparently now because he needs more. Think about how much of that money could have been used to arm schools, to fortify schools. Think about how much money could have been spent to make these schools a hard target. The best way to make the school a hard target, like I said, is to arm somebody on the campus. I'm in favor of arming individuals who are not known. Clay Travis said that you should have an armed security guard there. And that's, that's, that's a fine idea. I think it's okay to have an armed security guard. But one armed security guard is not enough. I think each school should have a, a team. A team that, it's, it's not that it's unknown, but to, to a shooter, they don't know. They don't know where it's going to come from. If you are a person who's going to try to penetrate a campus and get, get on campus and shoot some, shoot some children, in my, in my scenario, there, you would not be able to do that um, effectively because there would be people positioned throughout the campus who are ready to uh, deal with an attack in a very quick manner. And this would take a lot of training, clearly. This is not like, you know, you show up and ask the teachers, okay, who's owned a gun before? Okay, here's your gun. And now next time the shooter shows up, you know, you're going to be the one to neutralize them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having people who have been either trained before previously, which there are a lot of people who've been in the military, people who have been in um, law enforcement, or people who have training on their own. Anyway, there was a there's a way that you could certify these people, do some certification process where you say, look, this person is a quote-unquote expert in security, and then have that person, those people stationed throughout the school so that if someone penetrated the school within two minutes, let's say, there's a person going to be at every point in the school that can then neutralize that person with a firearm. That's how I would do it. I think if you have a school resource officer on campus, that's fine. One school resource officer, though, as we see in Saul and Uvalde, uh, they had a whole police force. And unless you have the right training, one school resource officer may not be enough. And certainly if you don't have the right training, it's not going to be enough. Um, but that's what I would say. You have to harden these schools. You have to make it to where schools are as hard a target as an NRA convention. You, we need to make it to where you have as much second thought about shooting up a school as you would walking into a Veterans of Foreign War uh, 
meeting and, and trying to shoot that place up because you know those guys are armed too. But that's what I think we need to do. You have to protect yourself against uh, hate culture because hate culture is not going away. This is the hate culture I was talking about. This is a uh, Mad Maxine uh, back during the Trump presidency. This is what we have to deal with. Uh, this type of psychopathic ranting. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. The president responded via tweet. So that's just one of them, you know. They're all over the place. They're all always talking like that. These They're always calling for violence. And that's that's what they that's the way that they uh, they kind of project their feelings about what they would prefer to do onto others. You know, they say their enemies are the violent ones. Blah blah blah. You've never seen anybody who shot up a school a member of the NRA. Yet they say, well, NRA is a gun culture, and the gun culture is to blame. That's bullshit. No one who's ever shot up a school, as as far as I know, has been a member of an NRA. You know, another thing about the schools getting shot up and people who are doing the shooting. I've never heard of a, uh, a uh, anybody who's religious shooting up a school. Uh, that being said, I've never heard of someone who is a Muslim shooting up a school. Uh, I've never heard of a Christian shooting up a school, or I've never heard of a Jewish person shooting up a school who is a who is a uh, practicing Jew who practices Judaism. I've never seen that. I've never heard of that. I'm not talking about terrorists, obviously. I'm talking about school shootings. People who go to the synagogue, who go to church, who go to a, a uh, to go to the mosque, and who are not terrorists, those people don't shoot up schools. But who shoots up schools? People who are part of the secular left, generally. Or people who are part of any type of secularism where there is no true religion in their life. That's another thing that you have to look at, is that, this is not going away. This this kind of uh, evil is not going away, and secularism is not going away, and secularism is is in, in, intertwined with this. A lot of the secularism is a rejection of religion because religion is too. Um, what is it? It's it, it, you you you're uh, you're being too. Um, religious people are just you know they're just too. Um, too uptight you know secularism is you know everything goes however i feel and when you do it that way then it's easy to fall in line and say well you know i don't have any uh bounds i'm not bound by any type of religiosity i can just do whatever makes me happy that's that's what the root of satanism is really is uh satanism says uh do whatever makes you happy that's what satan said to adam and eve in the garden they said look you don't have to listen to all these rules these rules are for chumps He's just saying that because he doesn't want you to have fun. You have to just enjoy yourself, party out, you know, do whatever you want to do. And that's, and that's what Satanism was in the original sense is just basically you're, it's a, it's a celebration of yourself. And that's what secularism does. It's a rejection of religion. It's a celebration of whatever makes you happy. And whenever you do that, you can easily go down the line, not easily, but eventually you'll go down the line where you'll say, look, I want to do this and this and this. And now these religious people are saying that that's not right. Now I'm going to go shoot up a school. It's terrible, but they're not going to stop. And the reason they're not going to stop too, is like I said, we have this, 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 uh, uh, what is it called? This mal, um, manifesto that this person's got that I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day. Cause this manifesto very likely spells out specifically why they, 
why why the murders took place and the murders took place because most likely this person had a have a grievance had a chip on her shoulder and it was a it was a chip on her shoulder that was against religion and so she decided to shoot some some little children and they said those children were crying the ones that were leaving and was, they left and they held hands as they left you know to keep them in line and i think about these sweet little children these innocent sweet children who were terrified by this person who were leaving holding hands worried for each other and none of them cared about the gender of the other one none of them cared about the color of the other one and it's all these adults who impose all this bullshit ideology on these uh on on children and and try to pretend like this is the way children act this is the way sick ass adults act this is the way people who are their minds are not well these are the way uh emotionally unstable people act this you know this dividing people up by race and color and then treating them a certain way based on that that stuff is the stuff the sickness of adults and then then they they take out their sickness and their their uh, unhappiness their 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 lack of ability to cope with the real world their lack of ability to make it in their life and then they go in and shoot up some children that's so disgusting and it just makes me sick uh, some this is Merrick Garland on Breitbart. He says, Merrick Garland, scooter, Christian school shooter's motive will determine hate crime or not. And this was from uh, Breitbart. Uh, it says, John Kennedy asked Garland if he was considering a hate crime probe for targeting of Christians. The alleged Nashville school shooter identified as, who gives a shit, a transgendered woman murdered six people at a Nashville Christian school. Do you plan on opening a hate crime investigation for targeting Christians? Kennedy asked. Gar- Garland replied, the motive has not been established, which will determine if the community was a victim of a hate crime or not. The FBI and ATF are both on the scene working with the local police. <coughs> As of now, a motive has not been identified. Well, like I said, I don't think they're going to ever launch a hate crime because a hate crime has to fit a certain bill. Hate crimes are only committed against people who are part of the left or can be construed as part of the left. They may not be left to themselves, but the left sees them as part of their group. And they have to be a group that has been victimized by somebody on uh, who is part of the uh, the group that you can always victimize. Or I'm sorry, the group that you can always hold responsible for victimizing is grossly or generally speaking, Europeans, white Europeans, Males, uh, heterosexual, white, heterosexual, male, uh, Christians, you can, you can, they're fair game for everything. And so if you fall under that category, never will a hate crime be ascribed to you. I don't care if it was clear as day, never will a hate crime be ascribed to you. If you commit crime against those people, because like Jesse Jackson once famously said, black people cannot be racists. Black people cannot be racist, Jesse Jackson argued, because in order to be a racist, you have to have power. And in his mind, speaking as a black man with power, black people don't have power. And so in his mind, in his mind, his racialist way of thinking, black people are always going to not have power because of their skin color. Now, I wouldn't want to think that way if I was black, because I, you know, I would not let my skin color determine whether or not I could have power. But Jesse Jackson's point was, is that black people don't have power. Therefore they cannot be racist. And I think the same thing goes for 
Merrick Garland, if he determines that this was an attack based on hatred of Christians, they'll somehow make it to where it doesn't, it wasn't really attack based on that. And the reason why is because I don't think people like Merrick Garland, people on the left really believe that Christians can ever be a target of a hate crime because they have the power. And if you're attacking the Christians by, um, by definition, you don't have the power because they're the ones with the power. So if you're a secular hate group, uh, if you're a, a radical trans uh, activist group that wants vengeance on a school because you're anti-religious, because you're anti-Christian, well, but you don't have the power. So you can't be convicted of a hate crime. That's what's going to come of that. And how do you know that's the case? You know, how do you know? Well, that's, uh, you don't know that's going to happen. Well, you know, this is something else. This is from Breitbart. It says, <clears throat> U.S. Marshals were told not to arrest protesters outside Supreme Court justices' homes. Last year, individual Supreme Court justices were targeted by protesters after an illegal leak of a draft decision aimed at overturning Roe v. Wade before it had been officially decided. At the time, even the left-wing Washington Post admitted such protests were likely illegal, according to Title 18, Section 1507 of the U.S. Code. Uh, it says, while protest is indeed ingrained in American democracy, legally speaking, the comparison between protesting a politician at home and a member of the judiciary home at home is inexact. And experts say that latter category protest judiciary at home is probably illegal, regardless of how peaceful the demonstrations are. It says, Mr. Garland, this comes from, uh, this is later in the article. It says, uh, Mr. Garland told senators earlier this month that his prosecutors couldn't bring cases unless the marshals made arrest and the marshals on the scenes didn't think there was a reason to do that. Mr. Britt said the guidance documents show that they were directed not to. They were actively discouraged from doing so it says, according to a document obtained by Alabama Republican, Katie Britt, attorney general Merrick Garland ordered us marshals not to protest, telling them it is not a priority. So here's Mark Garland saying, look, we can't, we can't prosecute these people unless the marshals made arrests and the marshals didn't make arrests because Merrick Garland told him not to make arrests. But this is how I know that nothing's going to happen from this hate crime or not hate crime. And not that it even matters. The idea of a hate crime is kind of stupid anyway. The idea is that you're you're prosecuting someone or you're, you're holding someone to account based on their beliefs separately from their actions. And that's somehow worse. So if I murder somebody and it's just random then that's okay. Or let's say I murder them because I wanted their car. That's okay compared to if I murdered them because I didn't like their skin color, or I didn't like their sexual orientation or blah, 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 blah. Any of the other myriad of uh, things that falls under protection of hate crimes. The things that hate crimes are for, and like I was making this point earlier, is that hate crimes are only for a certain subset of people. Hate crimes are not going to be applied universally. So you'll never have a hate crime for instance, again, a white conservative or a white Christian European. That's never going to happen. But what you can do is you can say, look, hate crimes can occur against these set of group of people. And that hate crime is separate from the actual crime. So uh, you can be guilty of a hate crime for maybe you assaulted someone. Maybe you assaulted someone, they, they get you for a first degree assault. But then they say it was separately it was a hate crime because you assaulted that person because of their skin color. And it wasn't a white person because that wasn't mad. That won't matter. It was a non-white person got assaulted because their skin color. You got you got <clears throat> charged with the assault, but also charged with the hate crime. But because of the thought that went behind the hate crime, 
Well, then you can step back a little bit and you can keep peeling it back to where you get a little bit more divorced from the actual other crime and you can just focus on the hate crimes. So then, as you can easily see what happened with Twitter in the past couple of years, is you get prosecuted for thoughts uh, on Twitter and you get locked out of your account on Twitter. And as we know now, that was guided by the government, by Hoover's boys acting as the go-between for the government uh, in all, all the different branches of government. I have another article I'll, I'll look at uh, maybe next week from Primus about that, about the Twitter files and how it showed that the government was involved. But anyway, the hate crime can get peeled back a little bit. So then you can apply hate crimes to certain things. So in the future... It could be that the hate crime is not necessarily anything violent, but it's just a hate crime based upon your thoughts or your actions that are deemed violent by these certain people. So, for instance, perfect example, it may be in the future that if you pass a law or let's say this. It may be in the future that if you live in a state where there's a transgender um, free for all, you can start converting kids to other sexes as soon as you feel like it. You bring your kid home. You feel like maybe that kid isn't a boy. Maybe it's a girl. You've always had that feeling. You start transitioning your child at an early age, and then you take them to a doctor. And you say, look, you need to get this, doc- you need to get this kid on hormones and puberty blockers, and uh, we'll, we'll start doing surgery later date. But right now we need to go ahead and start with the hormones. And then you as a doctor say, well, I'm not going to do that. And why aren't you going to do that? Well, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the transgender children. I think that's bullshit. Well, guess what? You may have just committed a hate crime. How is that? You know, well, you, you're obviously anti, anti-trans. You're a transphobe. That's a hate crime in and of itself. See how you can go with all this? And that was the origin of the hate crimes, I think, was it was made so that at some point you could prosecute people based on their political beliefs or any other beliefs that aren't related to actual crimes but thoughts. Thought crimes, as Orwell talked about. That's what I think happened with hate crimes. That's the reason. Uh, what else is there? This is this is makes sense. This is from American Greatness. This is from a couple weeks ago. It says, study, American IQ is declining for the first time in a century. A new study asserts that the intelligence quotient of the average American is now in decline for the first time in nearly 100 years. According to the Washington Free Beacon, the study was published in the psychology journal Intelligence. Analyzing the time period between 2006 and 2018, the study's authors note that the biggest decline in IQ occurred among Americans between ages of 18 and 22. Uh, It says, certain school districts such as Culver City School District in Los Angeles have outright eliminated pre-existing honors programs so that certain students, mostly non-white students, would not feel excluded for not qualifying for such accolades. At least two major universities in the country, University of California, Berkeley, and Columbia University, have outright eliminated the prior requirement that students submit the results of standardized tests in order to be considered for admission. Yes, so this is, they're talking about the reasons for the decline, and that's the schooling. I think there's a, I think that's part of the reason, the schooling. Other part of the reason is because of... um, I think social media, the things that kids consume now, I mean, kids don't exercise outside. We, most of us all know that they don't go outside. They don't do things in settings that are conducive to any type of, 
really uh, informative process for the brain. You know, the stuff that they watch on TikTok, and I think that's the reason for TikTok. I think I talked about this before, but I think the reason for TikTok is to make people stupid. I'm not saying that everybody who watches TikTok is stupid, but I'm saying that TikTok in general is a way to preoccupy young people, especially with things that are inane, with things that are not uh, productive. And that's done on purpose, I think, to make people stupid. And the reason I say that is because TikTok is Chinese owned. And there is a uh, kind of a version of TikTok that's available in China. See, real TikTok that we have is not available in China, but they have a Chinese similar to TikTok platform. But what they do on that platform is they have math problems. They have other things that are building intelligence rather than sapping intelligence. And that's that's what I think TikTok's about. But that makes sense that that's what the reason for or that makes sense that the American IQ is declining. If you've ever called anywhere and tried to talk to anybody in customer service, it's getting harder and harder and harder to get anything done from a business standpoint, especially. Um, but anything, I mean, go to ordering food, anything, and, it, and it's not getting better. It's getting worse, this, this lack of ability, general lack of ability, and a general lack of motivation amongst people. Ability and motivation are both declining, and um, it's going to be not good because there's really nothing else we can do. There's no, it's not like there's no, there's the bench isn't deep, you know. You have your starters. There's some starters who are going to go off, and they're going to be smart no matter what, but the bench isn't deep. So you may have people who are still smart, who are still working in, you know, uh, high level engineering, uh, doing all kinds of things. Maybe there's even some smart teachers and some smart doctors, but the bench isn't going to be very deep. So you're going to get to that second level. It's like when I was in, um, on the sidelines before, uh, for college sports at UF, UF has first, second, third string, or at least they used to were five stars across the board. Those were excellent athletes, their football team. And they could they could go in against a team like USF and beat them easily because USF had a good first string, but their second and third strings they the the bench wasn't deep enough and it dropped off. So about the second half of the of the game, when the starters get tired and they start putting in the relief, that's when that's when the separation really occurs. And I think that's what's going to occur now is that uh, the bench is not deep in America, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. That's it for today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for making our program grow and share it with your friends. Go to drtommy.com slash podcast for all of the different video and audio options. And then try to have a good week and protect your school. If you're around a school, try to try to make some way to make a positive effort so that we can stop any uh, further shooters. Maybe, maybe kill a few shooters before they kill our children. And until next time, bye-bye.